The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Brothers and sisters, let's take our Bible once more and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. We are getting close today. Uh, we will uh, do verse 2 through verse number 9 of chapter number 4. And then uh, we're going to go ahead next Sunday and finish up the book of Philippians. We'll do verse 10 through verse number 23. And then on the 27th will be the uh, first Sunday of Advent, and we'll walk through the Advent Sundays leading up to Christmas. Philippians chapter number 4. You can follow along in your bulletin today as well too. We want to speak about the peace of God. Philippians 4, verse 2 through 9. I'll read them out loud. If you will read them silently, we'll go to the Lord in prayer to see what He would teach us today from His Word. Verse number 2, Philippians chapter 4. I urge Eodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow laborers or workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, Dwell on these things, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you bow for a word of prayer? Father, we do come to you now over your holy and wonderful word, and we ask that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts, and if there is one here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, and I pray that they would see that the only way to have peace with God is through salvation in Jesus Christ. And I pray for our congregation of believers today that we would find our rest truly in the peace of God that passes all understanding. We love You, we honor You, and glorify You. Please help us now, for it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In the course of the last seven days, just within the life of our church, our members and family members of the members of Emmanuel Baptist Church, we have been affected, whether directly or indirectly, by these things. The national election. We've had a wedding. We've had a funeral. We've had some folks with marital troubles. Folks with depression. Surgery. And the list goes on and on and on. 
In the course of seven days, people dealing with all of those issues directly or indirectly affecting the people of our local church right here. And the truth of the matter is, there are all kinds of unbiblical anxieties and fears and struggles that enter in upon our human hearts. And the reason why is because we live in a fractured and a broken world. Sin has come into this world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, and it was passed on to all of their descendants. And because sin is in the world, there will always be a problem of fear. There will always be issues of anxiety. And that moves its way from an international scene to a national scene to a church scene and down to our own individual lives. There are always these issues because of the fractured society that we live in where we have anxiety and fears in our lives. And when we come to a text like that is here before us today, it deals with the issue of the peace of God that passes all understanding, and it shows us the peace of God in three major areas of our life. One of those would be the issues of relationships, one of those would be the issue of our own mind, and then in our society and culture as a whole. And so today, here's the dominant theme of this passage, the rest that you long for can only come from the peace that God gives. The rest and strength that you long for only comes from God. As we enter in upon just these few verses today, I just want to place this in your lap and ask you to wrestle with this thought the rest of the week. And that is that the world is a safe place for you to be if you are a believer. If you come here this evening at uh, 7 o'clock, you'll be able to watch the movie The Insanity of God and you'll see people who are missionaries in some of the most dangerous parts of the world who uh, seemingly are in danger all the time of having their lives taken. And we live in a world where we have anxiety and fear over what is going on internationally and nationally and even in our own homes. But I tell you that the Bible would teach that for the believer, the world is a safe place. And you say, why? Because when you are convinced in your heart that the Bible teaches that God is absolutely in control, that He is absolutely sovereign, and that you are an eternal being in God's great universe, and He knows all and has your best in His own heart, then no matter what happens to you, you are safe in the arms of God. Why is it that Jesus was asleep at the bottom of the boat while the storm raged? Because He was ultimately placing His faith and confidence that the Father in heaven knows and has all power over even the seas and even the winds. And He was teaching the disciples to trust the heavenly Father at all times in all ways. So as we look at this text today, let's see if we can learn how to have the peace of God in these three areas. First of all, from verse 2 and verse number 3 today, we need the peace of God or peace in our fractured relationships. Look at it, if you will, again. He says, I urge Iodia and I urge Syntyche. You notice the Apostle Paul in his great pastoral way. He doesn't just urge one or the other. He gives the word urge or I implore or I beseech or I'm begging with you. That's what he's saying here. But not just Iodia. It's both Iodia and Syntyche. These two individuals in the church that have an issue, a problem, a fight, a contention that's going on. He says, listen, I want both of 
of you to pay attention to what I'm saying. Therefore, I, I urge Yodi and I urge Sintagi, and then look here, to live in harmony. But notice these prepositional phrases, in harmony in the Lord. It is not just a harmony that is sweep everything under the rug and act as if it is all okay and hate the person on the inside but put on a baptistic smile on the outside. No, it is the kind of harmony that comes from really getting down to where people are and working through those issues and though crying and disagreeing and struggling, you come together to live in harmony, but the kind of harmony that is in the Lord. Not the kind of harmony that has your preferences or their preferences as the highest order, but the kind of harmony that comes from where we say, yes, we have a disagreement. Yes, we come from different perspectives, but we will put Jesus Christ first and we will unify and come together and find harmony around Jesus and Him alone. Verse number 3, look here. He says, indeed, true companion. Some of your translations will say, true yoke fellow. The yoke fellow here is just a play upon the Greek name. It simply means here, um, when you put a, a yoke fellow, means uh, to put somebody in a yoke means that they can work together or they are a peacemaker. Most likely the true companion here, this is an individual that the apostle is writing to at the church at Philippi, and he is saying, listen, this is an elder, this is somebody in the congregation who has risen above, who stands with the Lord Jesus and is walking in Christian maturity, and I'm calling upon you, not just individually for these people to work it out, but I'm calling upon the elders of the church, those who are spiritually mature, to be peacemakers with these people. And I just want to take and maybe give premature application and say, we ought to be a congregation that is fostering through a culture of discipleship the kind of believers that rise up in our congregation and are true peacemakers. They know truth, but they know how to love. They walk in the truth of the Word of God, but they know how to delicately work and love and empathize and sympathize and help bring about peace among individual members who are in struggle with each other. That's what he's saying. Peace in our fractured relationship, we ought to do that individually. But notice here, he is also saying that the elders and the leaders of the congregation should be those who foster and bring about peace. Notice the play between verse 2 and 3. Do you see in verse 2, he says, I urge you to live. In verse 3, he says to the elders, I ask you to help. And that's the way church life should be, and that's what God says to all of us here today. I urge every person in Emmanuel Baptist Church that is a member of this church or considering that, I urge every one of you to live in harmony with each other. It's not an option. You must do this. You must come to grips with each other, and you must live in harmony. Live this way. And what does He say to the elders? I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, help them to do this. And so, brothers and sisters, when you see elders in the church and when you see leaders in the congregation come to you and confront you in a gracious and a loving way and they say, hey, look, we need to get this straight or you need to get this straight with somebody and let's see what the problem is and let's work this out. That is a direct command of God. He has been asked to do that and they are doing nothing but helping you to live in the way that God wants you to live. Look at what it says here in verse 3. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women. Now notice something about these women. I want you to see this interesting. Two thoughts here in verse number 3, but it's separated by some stuff in the middle. The first thought here is, these two women 
And then you might want to underline where it says, who? Who have shared my struggle in then? Then you'll see the italicized word. If you were to read this straight, it would say, who have shared my struggle gospel. Alright? And lest the authors want you to, they don't want you to think that the gospel is a struggle. They want you to understand that it's his struggle to get the gospel out to unbelievers. And so he says here, who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. What do we learn about Eodia and Syntyche? We learned that they are already serving in the ministry. They are fighting for the gospel. They are sharing it with the lost. They are spending their time telling people about Jesus Christ. These ladies are serving in the life of the church. Notice what separates here in the middle. You'll see he gives a little explanation. Together, they're serving together with Clement. This is another leader in the church also. And the rest of my fellow workers... And then you want to underline again who's, right? Who and who's. So both of these are about these ladies who have shared in the struggle of the gospel and whose names are in the book of life. What do you learn about these ladies in the church who are having an argument? They are saved people and they are serving people. I want everybody in here just to take a deep breath and just listen. Maintaining unity in the Lord in a church like ours is no easy task, is it? We are a group of people that come from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. We think differently, act differently, look differently. And what makes us different here than everything else out in the world outside? They are looking to us to see if we truly unify around Jesus Christ and bring harmony to the relationship here through the truth of the Word of God and the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross and died for people that don't act like you, think like you, or do what you do, but they have come to faith in Jesus. Unity is not always an easy thing. And I want you to know, even saved people and serving people can struggle and have fusses and fights and not see everything the same way. God wants us to have harmony and unity in our relationships. Dale Carnegie once noticed this is a great hunter too. He said, listen, he said, the only animal that a bear will allow to eat with himself is a skunk. You know why? Because animals are smarter than humans sometimes. We always want to fight and fuss and get our way and we, we wrestle every night and have anxieties in our hearts and fears and we stay up late and we think about all this stuff instead of just simply getting along. Instead of just simply coming to the fact that this person thinks differently than me, but we are wrapped up in Jesus Christ and God saved their sinful soul from hell and gave them new life and God has saved me. And so I will come around the truth of the Scripture and I'll love Jesus and I'll live in harmony even with those that don't think my way. And if you want to live in harmony, listen, you have to center around Jesus and the truth of the Word of God. If you're going to find harmony with each other, and if we're going to be a testimony to the world around us of what true harmony looks like, 
We have to put Christ Jesus first in our life. Amen? Let me give you just a couple of ways to apply that in your life this next week. When you have a disagreement, whether it's in the church or out of the church, start by asking yourself this question, is this what I want to be remembered for? When time passes and life goes on and I grow up and my children grow up and my family and all that are around me, do I want to be remembered for the person that made a huge stink and a fight and an argument and hatred over this person? Is that really what I want to be remembered by? Because in the book of Philippians, this book that has lasted now a couple of thousand years, the only thing that you know about Iodia and Syntyche is, yes, they were saved and yes, they were serving, but they were called out by the Apostle Paul in the church for getting in an argument with each other. Is that what you really want to be remembered for? Then ask yourself, is this issue that's at stake here with another brother or sister in Christ, is this really worth me making such a fuss over that this is what I'm really going to be remembered by? And when people talk about me, they're going to say, yeah, that's the person you got to avoid because if you make them mad, they're, they're just going to hold a grudge forever. Don't be that kind of person. Ask yourself that question. Is this truly what I want to be remembered for? And then I would just say simply this. Make it right. Do the best you can to make it right with each other. Can you guys hear me today? Feel Maybe maybe I'm yelling a little bit. I don't mean to. I'll calm down a little bit. I don't want to do that. I just, my heart's so heavy. Just make it right. Hey, listen, if you want to be like Jesus, if you claim to be a Christian, right? then learn to be honest and say, hey, I'm wrong. Yes, you're wrong in some areas. And yes, I think you're more wrong. And yes, you did me wrong. And yes, there's a lot on that side, but I'm wrong too. Just like I said last week, when you looked at your neighbor and said, I'm not right 100% all the time, learn to live that way. Learn to live in humility. And to work it out. Don't get mad and go somewhere else. Now, this is not just, look, this is, some of this is preventative medicine for us here. Man, I, so don't, don't get mad and go somewhere else. Don't get mad and talk behind people's back. Don't get mad and not come to church, but come to Sunday school. Man, that kind of stuff. You know, that doesn't bother anybody but your own soul. It makes you grow cold in your heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be the kind of person that goes and makes it right. And you know what? If you go to somebody and you honestly sit down and say, hey, you did me wrong. I need some answers. But I'm sure I haven't responded well. I'm sure I haven't had the best attitude in that. And if they respond to you, give them a chance. If they respond to you in grace and love and peace and they say, good night, I'm so sorry. I did wrong. Forgive them. No more amens now, right? No me's. Hey, forgive them. And you know what? If you go to somebody and they don't have that kind of attitude, still be a good Christian. Don't don't walk away going, brush the dust off of me. You can have it. Because you know what that means? You didn't even go to them in the right attitude. If they don't give you the right response... You know what? You leave from there. You say, Lord, I've done the best that I could to make that right. And I'm just going to ask that you'd work on their heart and not only work on theirs, but continue to work on me. 
And God, if I'm scarred from this, if I'm hurt from this, work in my own soul to make me more loving and sympathetic and empathetic. Help me in the future to learn how to be a better Christian in your good kingdom. Isn't that fair? That's what the Bible teaches. We need to live in the peace of God in our fractured relationships. Let me quickly show you this. We also need the peace of God in our fractured minds. Look back down at the text in verse 4-7. through seven. Here's, here's what I would say is the second one. We need peace in our fractured minds. Look at verse 4-7. through seven. In verse 4-6, through six, you'll notice three major commands here, and I'll just walk you through them. The first command, an imperative command here is rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. I can't hardly read that without. Have y'all ever heard that, that chorus? Rejoice in the Lord always. And y'all know that song? Okay. Anyway, if you don't, it's a great one to uh, memorize. But uh, rejoice. That's a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say that again. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm sorry. I had the wrong translation. Here it is. Rejoice in the Lord when I get my way. And again, I say I will rejoice in what I want to. <laughs> no, listen, man. Come on. Hey, and can I just... This is a family today, all of you. Hey, is that easy? No. Good night, no. And in fact, I mean, it's so hard. Sometimes you think, man, can I just like cut that part out of my life? I know it's hard, but it's a command of God. And if you want to have peace in your fractured mind, you've got to begin from that standpoint of saying, I am going to rejoice in the Lord, not in my circumstances, but in God. You remember what I said when we began the sermon? God is in control. You can have peace in your life because God is in control and maintain your thoughts and your minds no matter what is going on. Look to Him and say, listen, I'm not sure about all of these things. I'm very unsettled and this is not what I want, but my peace is not in my circumstance. My rejoicing is in the peace of God because He is in control of all things. And again, I say rejoice. Secondly, he says here, not only rejoice, but let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Why? For the Lord is near. And the word gentle in this verse is very difficult to render in one word in English, but probably the, I, this isn't one word, but probably the best way to say it is be big hearted. That's where the word gentle means. Just be big-hearted. Be kind-hearted. Let the demeanor of your life be that kind of sympathetic, loving individual that stands on truth, but you're able to put your arms around. Be, be big-hearted. Why? Because the Lord is near. He is coming again. And what does Jesus say? When the Son of Man comes again, will He find faith on earth? Are you going to be a believer when He comes back? And if you are a believer, how does that affect the way that you live with people at work and in your family and with your children and with your friendships? You should be big-hearted toward people. And if you have to say truth, if you have to walk on something, if you have to draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and say, this is right, and dear brother or dear sister or dear friend, you're wrong and I, I want you to know, be big-hearted even about that. Don't be a monster for truth. Be big-hearted about it. Be big-hearted. Here's the third one. You'll find that the peace of God will come in this third one. Look what he says here in verse number 3. It's there, verse number 6. It's the third imperative. Notice how he starts from the negative. Be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything. You see that contrast? Be anxious about nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't leave that out, let your requests be made known to God. You see, the cure for anxiety is found in prayer. And what is that prayer about? It says, listen, let your requests be made known to God. How do we do that? We do that by prayer, which is a general uplifting of our request to God. We do that through supplication, which is a much more pleading over urgent situations. And we do that through thanksgiving to the Lord. When He does answer, we rejoice in what God is doing in our life. And we have anxiety over nothing in relation to us praying over everything to the Lord. Yeah, I think I told you all before, and if I hadn't voices on it, I, I struggle with worry. Okay, I just to tell you, I struggle with worry and anxiety. In fact, so much so that before, uh, before Connie and I were married, I probably told you this years ago, uh, I had dropped her, I think I had dropped her off and I went back to where I was living at the time and I called her and she didn't answer the phone. I called her again. She didn't answer the phone, called, you know, I was like kind of weirdo calling a whole bunch of times, you know, and she didn't answer the phone. So I thought something was wrong. So I drove to over the house and beat on the door. Nobody was there. And I thought, well, maybe she, you know, so I, I'm driving up and down Brainerd Road and I finally get out all the way out to, and this is in Chattanooga. I get all the way out to where the Walmart is and I'm going to do it to Yui in the parking lot and there she is coming out of Walmart parking lot. And she rolled down her window and I said, I thought something terrible had happened to you and she said, you're my little warrior. And I said, what? And she said, my little warrior. My little warrior. <laughs> One of the best gets of all time, right? Hey. <laughs> People know here, y'all know. Listen, if you ever email me or text me or call me and you, you want to go have lunch and you're happy with me, let that be known, brother and sister. <laughs> let it be known. Don't send me an email that says, hey, can we have lunch this week? It's my heart. I struggle. Just put on there, I'm happy with you. I'm good. You don't put that in there, man? I bite these things down to a nub. What's going on? Hey, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm a human just like you are. And some of you don't have a worry in the world, but I do, okay? And you know what I do? Here's a little app, okay? Here's what I do. Uh, some of you might see me sometimes. I, I, I journal all the time, but my journals are a little bit different. Uh, sometimes I journal about what's going on, that sort of thing. But probably eight out of ten times, I just take my journal and the, the, the things that are heavy on my heart, I just write prayers to God. Again and again and again. I just put, I pour everything I have out on paper to the Lord. Maybe it would do good for you to pour your life out in prayer to the Lord. And you know what I find? When I, when I, when I pour my prayers out to the Lord, He gives me peace and grace and strength. If you're struggling and worrying, you find the peace of God in your mind and in your heart. Through prayer. And then I want you to see something about God's peace. Look back down to the text. Notice the three modifiers here of, uh, of the peace. And what it says here in verse number 7. First of all, again, these prepositional phrases. See, and the peace, first of all, it's the peace of God. Right? It's divine peace. It's not manufactured. It's not saying something to yourself a whole bunch of times. I remember I was on a losing basketball team in high school. Right, and we'd be in the locker room, and we'd be all jazzed up, and then I knew we were going to be, get beat by forty points. Right, 
But you come out now, right? Or you ever, you ever been playing a game and you're down by 20 points and you got the cheerleaders off to the side and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're cheerleading that you're number, we're number one. We're, no, we're not. We're like number four. <laughs> and there's no podium prize for number four. This isn't a made up piece. It's a divine piece. The peace of God. But then look at secondly, which passes or surpasses all comprehension. Hey, if you live the Christian life for a little while and you walk with Jesus, you're going to go through some really tough times. But if you'll pour out to God in prayer what's really going on into your life, you'll find that He will meet you there. And He will give you the kind of peace that you can't even fathom. I was talking with a brother and sister just before church today, and they were talking about a valley that they had walked down through some years ago and how people would come up to them and say, how'd you make it through? Or how'd you make it? Hey, well, you know, we put one foot in front of the other and the sun comes up tomorrow. And do you want to know how they did it? God gave them peace and help and strength to make it not grace for the year, grace for the hour, grace for the day. Peace in the moment. It's the peace of God, and it's the peace which goes beyond what you can possibly imagine. And then look there lastly. It is the peace which will guard your hearts and your minds. And where's that last preposition? In Christ Jesus. You might be here today, and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I tell you on the authority of the Scriptures, the Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And Romans chapter number 5, a book in the Bible, tells us that the only way to have the peace of God is to make peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When He died on the cross, He died taking your sin and your shame and your guilt, nailing it to the cross. And when He rose again, He rose again so that you could put your confidence and faith and trust in Him alone. And He would wash away your past and give you a beautiful and bright future and give you momentary grace and peace now. Come to Him. And He will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. saw this week that uh, the old Ann Landers advice column, you know, he said 10,000 emails a month about anxiety. And you'll never find an answer for anxiety outside of walking daily in the peace that comes through God and His Son, Jesus Christ, pouring yourself out through prayer. Let me give you a quick word of application on that from Isaiah 26.3. He says it much better than I could. Listen to this. Isaiah 26.3, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. If you're struggling with the peace of God in your mind, ask yourself, Am I, is my mind stayed and looking toward the Word of God and Him alone? I urge you to read the Scripture, to pray, to spend time with the Lord, and you find that He will give you peace in your mind. Lastly, from verse number 8 and 9, you'll find that we need peace in our fractured society. Look at what it says here. Notice the inclusiveness of the what, uh, whatever and then if there is any. So he says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, 
pure, lovely, good repute, if there is any excellency, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That is not the first time that if-then clause has been used. Turn back to chapter 2, if you would. Verse number 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, and intent on one purpose. This text teaches us that we must think about the things that bring praise and glory to God. If you're struggling with anxieties and fears, I just want to put in your lap and ask you, this past week, what have you been thinking about and meditating on? The word dwell, dwell on these things, it's the word for meditation. To run over again and again in your mind. What have you spent your time thinking about the most this week? No. i got a second here. Now listen, this is preaching. This is dialogue, so I just want you... Don't, don't hear me preach for a minute. Work with me together. I'm serious. I want you to think about that. What did you think about the most this week? Just let yourself think about that for a second. And now ask yourself, did you think about the Lord and meditate on Him or the things that are pure and right and lovely, and true, and good? Or did you spend an enormous, uh, an enormous amount of time thinking about things that weren't like this verse? And what do you think brings you the most peace? What you have been thinking about? Or thinking about the things that the Scripture just said that are lovely, and pure, and right, and good? Sometimes people will say, well, I'm not sure that you know, I'm getting all that much help. The issue here is not for you to sit here and listen to me just give you this. The issue is, put the Bible to the test. It's, it, you're not putting the Bible out on a limb. It's God's Word. Just go out this week and see this week. Practice that, that one thought. Practice that this week and see if it is true or if the Bible's a liar. You go out this week and spend as much effort as you can along with the Holy Spirit asking for God's assistance. Say, wake up each morning and say, Lord, help me to think about the things today the most. Help me to think. Please help me to think about what is right and good and lovely and pure. And I'll tell you, you can begin with Jesus. You can begin with the Word of God and creation. All of those things have a bit of that in there. And Jesus is the culmination of all of that. And the Scripture always points you to Christ. Begin by thinking about, about the picture of Christ that the Scripture sets forth. Do that as much as you can all week long. And come back next Sunday and tell me whether it's a lie or not if there is not more, if there's not more peace in your heart than this last week. No, that's really a challenge to you. And I'm, I'm not setting God up for failure. I'm just telling you either the Bible is true or it's not. But I will tell you that if you go out this week and in the help of the Holy Spirit every day say, you know what? I'm going to make an intentional effort to focus and to meditate on Jesus and passages of Scripture in His Word. 
I'm going to pray to Him and pour my heart out to Him. And I'm going to come back this next week. And I'm really, Lord, I'm not testing. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to test you. I'm not saying that you have to do something for me. But this is what your Bible says. This is what you said to do. And I need peace. You do that this week and find out and just see what happens. Well, look down at verse number 9. Notice he says here in verse 8, dwell on or meditate on these things. That's your thought life. Verse number 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and what? The God of peace will be with you. Verse 9, verse 7, verse 2, all deal with peace or a cognate thereof. Verse number 8 deals with your thought life. Verse number 9 deals with your action life. What you think about and what you do should be governed by the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what he says there in verse number 9. These things have you learned and received, right? That's teaching. And then, and heard and seen. That's life practice. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I just want to end by saying this to you today. In the next seven days, what will happen in your life that will bring anxiety and fear and frustration? Well, I don't know and neither do you. But if you've lived any amount of life at all, you know that it's coming. How are you going to deal with that? The way you have been dealing with it? Or are you going to seek for the peace that comes from God through Jesus Christ? Through a personal, ongoing relationship whereby you have confessed and turned from your sins and placed your faith and confidence in Christ alone? Or on your own? Or what people say to you? Do you know that statistics tell us that you, by this hour in the morning, have already had 2,000 thoughts and you have 8,000 more individual thoughts before the end of the day? What will you think about? Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Hey, look, church family and those of you that are with us today visiting, hey, this is just an honest Sunday. This is it's just us working together, okay, around the Word. None of us in here are perfect. We're, we're trying to work through these issues ourselves. And I want to be a minister of encouragement to you today. If you don't know Christ, right? Maybe you're struggling. You're not even sure about all of that. But you're here today and say, look, I, in my soul, something's not right. And I, I've never trusted Jesus. Hey, everybody's head is bowed. Everybody's just kind of praying for a moment. I promise you. We're the best we know how. Nobody's looking around. Nobody looking around. Like, this is a personal moment. If you're here today... You do not know Jesus as your Savior. Would you just raise your head up and look at me for a moment? I just want to pray for you. I won't call you out. I'm not asking you to come. Thank you. Somebody else today? Just say, man, I'm just not sure. Thank you. I see that. Hey. The Lord loves you. And He gave His Son to die for you. Right where you are right now, You don't have to be a professional. 
in your heart, in this place, right now where you are, begin to pray to Him. And give your life to Him. Just say, Lord, I believe You. I believe Your Son died for me. And I want You to be the Lord of my life. And at this moment in my life, I give You, I give you my whole life. Please save me. If you pray with an honest and a humble and a sincere heart like that, right where you are right now, God's mercy and grace will come to you and He will save you. The evidence of that is when we dismiss in a few minutes, will you wait for the crowd to disperse and will you come see me? Let us help you walk the Christian life. Let us pray with you, minister to you. Trust Christ now. The rest of us that are in this room, maybe you say, I am a believer, but man, I've got a lot of anxiety, a lot of fears, a lot of things going on. Hey, right where you are, why don't you confess to the Lord the way you've been handling things? And in your relationships and in your mind and in the culture that you have to live, ask and plead for the peace of God that passes all understanding to minister to you. And commit this week to thinking and meditating and living for Jesus more than you did this last week. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.